All right, everybody, welcome to Sacred Odyssey, the number one podcast in the world. We are so excited actually to have a lovely guest here, one of our dear friends, April. Hi, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're so excited to have you. So what we want to start out with to kind of get right into it, into the meat and the bones of this, tell us in about four minutes, your four minute story of who you are and how you're here. Hey guys, I'm April. So I have a little bit of a different story. So people are usually surprised to hear it. I was raised in a polygamous group, um, very sheltered from the outside world. Um, My parents were very um, strict and controlling and um, I learned at a very young age how to run away from things. Um, And that first started when I ran away from home at 17 and got on a lot of different types of drugs and I just kept running from there you know going from friend group to friend group kind of like a chameleon right I can fit in everywhere but I never truly belong right Um, and I really struggled with that deep uh, darkness inside you know not knowing where I belonged and not um, knowing what life is about and Long story short, I know I have four minutes, um, but I've kind of learned how to center myself and uh, connect to, I guess, an energy source from the universe. And that's kind of been my saving grace in my life, realizing that uh, no human is going to fix me. And that as long as I can connect with this source that's deep inside me, that's everywhere, that's in space, that's in the ground that we walk on, like I'm going to be okay. And um, I found a really awesome career path where I get to help people feel more beautiful. And I really love what I do. And I connect every day with my patients who who come to me and uh some like to vent, so I kind of like to view myself as a unlicensed therapist that mm. gets to help people feel better about themselves. So I'm just really excited to be on this journey that we call life and to be present for it because that's the biggest difference between my past and now is now I get to actually experience it. I'm not running away from the present moment mm. anymore. So that's kind of who I am and um, a little bit about my past in a nutshell. So. Dude, that's powerful. Love it. <laughs> we have a lot to unpack here. I so I'm actually curious because you brought up source, your connection to source. That's everything under you, above, like. But for you, how do you know you're connected to source? Like, what does that feel like to you? And how did you discover that? Yeah. So for me, I mean, it's been a journey. I I think I first discovered it through meditation, and uh, I think I was actually at a yoga class years and years ago my friend, she would always try to get me to go to yoga. And I just, I wasn't about it. Um, cause I'm always go, go, go. Right. I told you, I like to run from things. I don't like to be present or sit with anything. And I really sucked at it. Mm. So I ended up just laying on the ground, just laying on the floor for the entire class. I think it's called Shavasana, I believe. And, uh, there were windows in the roof, like skylight windows. Mm-hmm. And I could just see the clouds moving above me. And um, I just felt a moment of peace, you know, a moment of almost like blank, but the most sweet like feeling that everything was going to be okay. And everything Mm. was okay in that moment. Mm. And I remember I didn't want the class to end because it just felt so good. It was a way better feeling than any drug I'd ever done. 
any um, any guy I had ever hung out with because I kind of cross addict with that sometimes. And I just felt okay. So I think that began the journey. Um, and then I explored a little bit with uh, some psychedelic oh, mushrooms. Like plant medicine. <laughs> Is that what yeah. you call it here? No, you, yeah, psychedelic mushrooms. I just didn't Magic know mushrooms. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it kind of helps your your mind to think in a different way and see things in a new light. And uh, when I was experimenting with those, I did a lot of just laying there and trying to just connect or going in the mountains and just trying to connect. And you know you're connected when you feel almost like a rush of energy, but it's not like the energy of excitement or anything like that. It's almost like the energy of peace and just connection. I kind of like to imagine it as like the earth or like the energy from the earth is entering my feet and just flowing through me all the way to the sky and back around again. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a pretty awesome feeling. Um, it's hard to connect with that when we're so busy. This last week has been so incredibly yeah. busy. I was telling you a little about it before. Um, and I honestly already feel better just kind of taking a step back and remembering like what it's all about. Mm-hmm. I get so caught up in all this little stuff, you know. Yeah. So You're extremely intuitive, aren't you? I I, I can be. Um, I can also uh, not be if I'm not in the right headspace. Because this is something I think we'll unpack as we go deeper into your journey because I know people are going to be really interested. Like you barely said polygamy in the very beginning and people are going to be like, wait, what? Like go back to that. (laughs) So we'll go back into that. But what's really fascinating about your journey is that once you kind of tell the story of the level of darkness you were actually in, but to be able to connect so deeply to source, to be able to feel, to be able to like explain it the way you're explaining it. Like you're very gifted in that sense, I would Mm -hmm. say. I think you're naturally intuitive and you're naturally a sensitive person. Would you agree with that? I I could agree with that, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which is is so powerful because I think in this society nowadays, a lot of times that's looked down upon. Like sensitivity a lot of times is looked at as a weakness, especially in the business world which I'm sure you've seen before, but I feel like we're going through a shift now to where that's actually becoming like a priority and it's becoming a necessity because our world has become so noisy actually that the ones who can actually hear the silence, who can actually feel like the subtleties of life, those are the ones that can really tap into that power and make a difference. And I think you're in that category. Well, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, it's it's so busy. And if I can just slow down a little bit and impact yeah. one person's life, then, you know, that's yeah. that's my goal, really. So, uh, so let's go back a little bit, because I even think just in sharing your story is going to be super impactful. So let's go, like, all the way back. I want to go, like, one. to the very day, day one, one, the very beginning, and kind of walk us through this world, because it is a different world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I remember as a little girl wondering if there were other people who lived the same way. Like I knew there were people in the same group, right? There's there's quite a few people in that small group. And when you say group, polygamous group. Polygamous group, yes. Um, but I used to wonder like on the outside if everyone was hiding things, you know, because I would go outside of that group and I had to pretend that this wasn't the way that I was living. And um, 
So I had to essentially lie about Mm -hmm. my life. And um, at home, I was homeschooled. I, my dad was married to five women growing up. Um, We have, he has now, he has, I think 26 kids. We all grew up in the same house. I am the seventh from the oldest. Um, First girl from my mom. So there's, there was three other girls from a different mother. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, how deep should I go? As deep as you want to, but I think you should go deep. Yeah. I mean, why not? Why, why not? are we here? Why right. Not? Um, so there were other families in, in the group in the polygamous group. And, but my family was a little bit different even from them. My dad was a convert. He had an awful, I guess, a very hard upbringing. Uh, his parents were alcoholic, drug addict. Um, his brother died at a young age, and he just had a lot of uh, trauma that he never worked through. And no. and I see this now as an adult. As a kid, I didn't see this, right? Um, so my upbringing was very, very... Ooh, uh, there was a lot of neglect and a lot of psychological things, like messed up things that happened. One of those things was, um, for whatever reason, still don't know exactly why, my mom wasn't allowed to raise me. Mm-hmm. So I was essentially given to my dad's first wife who raised me with her other with her other kids. And I knew that my mom was my mom, but I guess I never really intellectualized it until I got a little older. And I realized like, dang, that's, that's kind of messed up. You know, I was neglected. I wasn't treated the same. I used to pretend that I was Cinderella and this was my ugly stepmom, and these were my ugly stepsisters. Not that they're ugly or anything, but that's kind of how I coped with it. And I really connected with you know those Disney princesses, especially Cinderella, who was treated the way she was treated because I really I really resonated with that um, a lot. And so it was a little bit different. I, like I said, I wasn't treated fairly. And I remember just trying to be as quiet and non-disruptive as I possibly could be because I just didn't want to get in trouble. So I kind of like, I remember chewing an apple on the couch one time and I'm trying to chew it as quietly as possible so no one will hear me and get mm. mad that I'm chewing, right? Mm. Just normal things like that. And I won't get into other some other things because I feel like that's a pretty good outline of it. Um, but I, I, my dad, let's get into my dad because this is a big part of it. I love my dad, um, but he... He's definitely got some things to work out in in his life. Um, I he singled me out a little bit as far as his daughters go. Um, I would always hear, "You're my prettiest daughter. Uh, you you shouldn't go to church because you'll pollute the men's minds. You shouldn't wear this because you'll end up pregnant." Um, just kind of, mm. you know, and I'd never really done anything. A lot I of was psychological, psychological, stuff. like yeah. your, your beauty is a curse. You mm. are a harlot is the word mm. that was used. I think that's from the Bible or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Which only enforced then your belief as a child to stay hidden and to not be seen. Yeah. But I wanted to be seen so bad. I'm yeah. so outgoing. Mm-hmm. I like to have fun. I love people. I love, I love being out. Right. I'm, I'm an extrovert. 
Um, so I really like people. And so it was really difficult for me because I wasn't allowed to be around people. And so I started sneaking out at night and that's kind of what started my journey with drugs is I would sneak out and I would meet up with guys. Um, at, at about what age was this that you started sneaking out? I think I was either like almost 16. I think I was almost, I think I was 15. Yeah. When this started happening and that's kind of how I got my out. Right. Um, because it got to a point where I wasn't allowed to go anywhere, oh. anywhere. Like I was confined to my bedroom and I wasn't allowed to do anything. So, I mean, I just, one day I was like, you know what? Screw this. Like I'm done trying to be good. And I remember the first time I intentionally turned on like rock and roll music because that's like a huge no-no. Anything with a beat is bad. And I just remember feeling that energy from it. And I just was like, I'm bad now. Like I'm bad, you know? And um, there were some good things in my childhood. We were in sports. Um, I was in ballet and I think that had a big impact on my life. Um, I still, with all the girls in my class, I was so close with them, but I never told them what was going on at home. And to this day, I think my dad will say ballet is the reason for my rebellion. Mm, (laughs) So when he pulled me out of that, it was like I had nothing. And I was just like, you know what? I'm done. And one day I was out with a guy and I just realized that I didn't have to go home. And I think that was the beginning of me running away. It was like, oh my gosh, like I'm free. Like no one can tell me what to do. I don't have to go home and I don't have to go home and you know, deal with the psychological abuse that I've been dealing with for my entire life. I just could not take it anymore. And, and I will put this out there because I, I want to respect my family and I do love them. And I think everyone has their own beliefs. I do think in my dad's twisted way, he had, he, you know, he wanted the best for me. I just don't think he knew how to do that. And Mm. especially when you add in, uh, things like alcohol to, trauma and PTSD is just not a good mix. So I will put that out there because I do, I do love my dad and he has since apologized to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyways, and no, and I, that's good to say. And I think our listeners do understand that because the older you get, you start to realize things aren't so black and white as we thought they were. And one of the phrases we always say is that hurt people hurt people. Yeah, exactly. And when you start to go back and look at a lot of these circumstances, like you said, with your father, Oh, this trace is way back. It's like his parents probably uh, abused and handled him differently, which then their parents handled them in that way. And so it's this, it's this generational trauma that gets passed down through the, these like fractal lines and it falls upon us to then try and break those cycles, which is almost part of your role and purpose here Mm -hmm. is to break a lot of those patterns and cycles. I love that you said that because I, I truly believe that that is uh, something that I'm meant to do in my life. I did too (laughs) when you were talking about it. Um, Even just running away, you know, taking that stand against no, like I will not put up with this anymore. I think it it started something in my family um, and made a lot of changes there. But now, you know, I have a three year old son and I I get to treat him amazing. Sometimes I snap. Not very often, Mm -hmm. but most of the time we just have fun and I get to look into his eyes and tell him how much I love him and I get to play with him and I get to, um, I think it'll get harder for sure, but I don't have to do the same things my parents did. 
Um, so yeah, breaking those generational curses, I like to call them totally, and being an example for, um, other people to take control of your life and not let others control you. I think that's a, yeah. been a theme word in my life control. I do not like to be controlled by anything. And so I if, I, tell. <laughs> if I feel like I'm being controlled, I'm out. And so, which I don't know. It, yeah, it I, just well, is. <laughs> I want to break down. Because that moment of you, and we've talked about this before, but mm -hmm. I still don't fully understand it because it's so monumental. Like the moment of you realizing that having that epiphany of like, oh my gosh, I'm actually in charge of my life and I don't have to go back to that toxic environment. I can actually flee and exit that myself. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? At like such a, where, at such a young age too, you know? Yeah. So I don't think I realized all of that in that moment. I think it was me running from one thing to another, not mm. so healthy mm. thing. And, and, and it was repeated experiences of control that made me realize this. Yeah. So I left home. I had that epiphany. I don't have to go home. I moved in with this guy and a couple months in, I realized, oh my gosh, like he's just as controlling as my dad. And I said, I want to leave, mm. takes my phone, won't let me go. I, I, I left and we were doing quite a bit of drugs at that time, like psychedelics, uh, weed, mostly alcohol and ecstasy. So it was kind of, you know, we were out there. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, it might be interesting to mention a little bit of my experience with the psychedelics, just because it's been such a big part of my life, not currently, but in the past. And kind of tapping into that spiritual realm. Um, I remember when I started doing the psychedelics, I would look in the mirror and I saw this goddess, this beautiful goddess, right? I would look at my skin and there were just these intricate designs everywhere, kind of like that, that thin white tattoo yeah. ink, but it's almost glowing and I could just see it in everything. And the more I did the drug, it, it kind of switched. I would look at people and I would see more of like a demonic mm. creature emerging from them. And the darker it got, when I would look in the mirror, I turned into that. And um, every time I touched psychedelics after that, I would kind of see these energies. And so I always, um, I really focused on that in my life and like, oh, this has to be real. I don't think this is fake. Like I really, I thought, mm -hmm. I think it's real, for, for real, for real, for real. Mm -hmm. um, and so I actually ran away from the drugs. So I ran away from him. I moved into my grandma's house and I thought, okay, this wasn't the answer. So I'm going to go back to what I know. I even went to back to the polygamous church. I sat in the balcony. I could see my whole family down there. No one knew I was there. And I had this vision that I would get up in church and just share all of this stuff. And everyone would be like to tears and they would, they, I would just help all these people and they would see that the journey and the choice that I've taken, the journey that I've taken was, was like a good one. And I learned so much and now I'm back and like, let's do this whole religious thing. And that never happened. <laughs> but I think from a very young age, I knew that I was going to share my story and that all of this was happening for a reason. I always knew that in deep down, deep down, no matter what was happening. Um, and I feel like I'm kind of going all over the place, but to kind of sum up that church wasn't the answer. Yeah. And I actually got rid of all of my stuff. I didn't want anything that had any of this negative energy on it. I just got rid of everything. And I lived at my grandma's house and she's very uh, active in the polygamous church. 
And so I went from like one end of the spectrum back to the other. Mm -hmm. And I tried to go to college for a little while. Um, it was my first day of actual public school. And I remember sitting in, in an English class and like, I'm almost to tears because I'm like, what the fuck is MLA <laughs> format? I could like, are we speaking? I just got PTSD and you saying that. <laughs> yeah. Just like, what is everyone talking about? Like uh -huh. what? Yeah. So I want to hear about your PTSD <laughs> moment. No, I've just, it was well, so funny in you saying that because it feels to me, it feels so programmed. Like there was this path that I took of like the education, the school, and we're similar in a lot of ways. Like I'm a natural rebel, but like, mm -hmm. I feel like in a productive way, I'm a productive rebel. <laughs> like I, I want to disrupt things where I see they're not properly functioning. And for me, the education system was one of those of, of like, I just remember even religion, same thing. I just remember being in classes and certain things and doing things that I didn't want to do but like you had to do them you just do and it, it just like mm -hmm. over time it kind of just like killed my soul it kind of just drained me because i knew deep down like that that's not me i don't want to do that so yeah. why am i doing that yeah. so there I, I feel like there's a lot of programming within that and that's why that moment for you of leaving the polygamous colony is that a proper word I, we always refer to it as group group or uh yeah the group the group the work the work so the that's work. why leaving that is so powerful mm. because i would say a lot of people listening to this right now they're stuck in some sort of matrix yes. some sort of system and that can be anything that that can be school system that can be religion that can be a family system relationships relationships mm. like you see these all the times these mini matrices or matrices within a bigger matrix that people just get stuck stuck in and then it's these loops these patterns and these limiting beliefs that just what loop on rotate yeah, right for real. and, and that's part of like the calling you feel and that we feel as well is to to be that spiritual disruptor to be able to raise vibration and to be able to give people a different perspective now from your experience and i think that's so powerful and that's what stories do because we have storytelling brains so when you tell your story it's like a little seed that's planted in someone who hears it and it gives them permission Yes, I love that. I love how you always put that. It gives them permission to break free of whatever is holding totally. them down. And I feel like, you know, throughout these phases of life, I'll find myself in another matrix and then yeah. I break free of that and then I'm in another yeah. one. And that's like all these growing experiences and there's growing pains that go along with that. Um, and and I look back even over the past couple years and how much I've grown mm. and how beautiful it is yeah. and how I can still get caught up in all these little tiny things that aren't perfect in my life. But holy shit, my life is amazing. Yeah. My life is amazing. And it's amazing that no matter what I'm going through or what anyone's going through, it will pass. And there's no telling what's on the other side of that. As long as we keep going and we keep our minds active and we don't just give in to the mundane life of just going over and yeah. over and over again i really i really struggle with that i always have i do too yeah i i do too and it's and it's hard like you said and it's good for people to know that that like i, I will find myself oftentimes even with all the work that i've done getting trapped in these mini yes. matrixes and 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 then you have to like gain that awareness again and be like oh no like i'm i'm beyond that i am powerful I want more. like 
I want more and also I deserve that and I can yes. have that, right? Yes. And then like, I am my own savior. I am my own hero. And so I will craft the life that I want for myself. That's powerful. It's extremely powerful. And it like, I have this urge for everybody to know that and realize that, that like that, that is for all of us. Like we all deserve that opportunity to be able to have that permission to rise up and, and really step into our highest self. And that is so powerful. And that's, to me, that's why your story is incredible because it's like through all this darkness, somehow that like little light never, never got put out. Didn't put it under a bushel. No. no. <laughs> and that's powerful. And people will see that and be inspired by that and like want to do that themselves. You know, people are listening to this with their own things that they're caught up in and just hearing your story of how powerful that is of wanting to be free. So you chose to be free and chose to get out of what you were felt trapped in. Yes. I think a lot of people will realize that and, and see that and be inspired by that and want to do the same, you know? Walk me through some of those darker moments. Like, what was it really thinking back? Like, what were some of the things you did that helped you to push through that darkness? Because, I mean, you probably feel this when you're working with some of your clients and some of their stuff starts to come out, right? And they're just struggling in their life. So it's like looking back at your life, what were some of those things you did that helped you traverse that darkness? Um, well, I think the first thing was uh, saying no to all the drugs and mm. all of that stuff that was, um, wasn't helping me, wasn't serving me anymore and realizing that, um, because the experiences I had during that time were darker than I could even really explain to you. And the feeling of, uh, being alone was so, was so deep that it was, I don't, I don't even know how to put it to words really, but I'm really grateful for those experiences because now, you know, opposites, there's always opposites in all things. And, um, there's this, I don't know the exact saying, but like, uh, roots from a tree that grow to hell can like reach the, reach heavens. the heavens. Yeah. yeah. I, did Carl you Young. say that to me? Was it you? I might have. It's, it's <laughs> a I really good know. quote. Yeah. 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 And it's just like, okay, I have, I truly believe I've been in the depths of hell and so now knowing how far down I can go and it probably can go much, much lower, like how far can I rise? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's just been, um, a series of realizations that one kind of touching on what you said, like I am the only one that has power to change my life. I think for a long time I was waiting for someone to save me. I wanted someone to just pick me up and just hold me and tell me everything's going to be okay and just fix it, right? I wanted that so bad. Since I was a tiny, tiny little girl, I wanted that. Um, and I wanted that love. And I think what I realized is like nobody's going to do that for me. Nobody except for me. And once you step into that power um, of, for yourself, I think that's where things can can really start to grow. Do you feel like that's why you had all those experiences as a child? Like, was that really the universe gifting you all of these beautiful lessons to teach you your own power, to teach you like, I'm going to put you in the most submissive scenario possible so that you can really be pushed down so much to the point that you then have to rise up? It's, it's interesting you say that. I, I, I believe so. I think everything happens for a reason. 
whether we can comprehend it with our tiny little human brains <laughs> that yeah. are still so powerful. Like, I don't believe I can comprehend why everything happens. I think there's a, um, a design, there's all these synchronicities in life in the universe. And I think that if I don't understand it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I, I can definitely see how my upbringing has molded me into who I am. And I wouldn't change it. I would not change it because, um, you know, when you try to talk to someone and it's all surface, yeah. mm -hmm. there's no depth. I don't, I don't, I feel bad for them yeah. because I get to feel so much. And I used to run away from those feelings, but now I don't have to run away. I can feel them, but now I have the opportunity to feel the joy, the love, the happiness, the peace, um, before it was just one thing. And now yeah. I get to feel all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question. It does. It reminds me of there's a lady by the name of Brene Brown. Yeah, I don't know I've if you've read her, her yeah. stuff before. Yes. She's kind of talks a lot about vulnerability and shame. And she talks about how vulnerability is that gooey center. And that a lot of people want to selectively choose emotions. Like, mm. I'll, I'll take joy. Yeah. I'll take curiosity. I'll take happiness. But yes. like, ooh, suffering, misery, neglect, yeah. loneliness. Eh, yeah, put that aside. And, and she's like, you can't selectively choose. But vulnerability is that middle ground that it, if you're able to actually be vulnerable and let it all in, let in the darkness, the misery, that also opens up the space for an equal amount of joy and, and happiness yes. to come in that container, which is exactly what you're saying. And I think that's such a powerful frame of reference of recognizing that all, all these years of darkness were simply just digging down deep enough to allow you then the space to fill that all up with joy and love. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that is so powerful. See, that makes me excited. And I love that you brought up Brene Brown. There's this, I think she says, uh, and this is kind of off topic a little bit, but if you're not in the ring mm, fighting, yes. then I don't want your opinion. Yep. And I think that was something that I really struggled with, especially when I started aesthetic school, my passion, right? Skincare, learning about all of this stuff. I had never really experienced the, the cattiness of girls. Mm. And um, I don't think that they're all that way. I just think that in, in this instance, I experienced it a lot. I was there to learn and I was there to grow. And I would get all this, um, these opinions from these people saying, oh, you're an overachiever. You try too hard. Mm. Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why are you always studying? Blah, 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 blah. And I, I got really down on myself. Like maybe I shouldn't be trying this hard. Maybe I should let someone else win this award this time. Mm. And then I, I came across Brene Brown and I heard that and I'm like, it kind of fired me up. I'm like, no, I'm the one working my ass off, trying to get um, my life where I want it to be. And they're in the break room watching Netflix. Mm -hmm. Why would I try less? so that someone else can get an easy win. And it's not about winning, it was about that empowerment. You know, I didn't need to let others' opinions of me bring me down because they were not on the same level as me to begin yeah. with. They were yeah. not on the same journey as me to begin with. And so once I let go, like, I don't care what you think about me. Yeah. I do not give a shit. Sometimes I still will kind of like get into that. I'm like, wait, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like they can think they can say whatever they want about me. Like as long as I'm okay with me and I know that I'm living, you know, up to my like best self, like 
it's fine. And so I don't know. I really love I really love Brene Brown and that vulnerability. Yeah. And and I can still care about these people. That doesn't mean I'm like screw them. It's just all right. You've got your opinions and your your life and your energy, and I've got mine. Yeah. And your opinion of mine doesn't affect me. That's yours. Like mm-hmm. that's not mine. That's not mine. Yeah. So just like another little epiphany, I I came. No, I love. It. Do yeah. no harm. Take no shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the mentality of there's a quote by Marianne Williamson where she talks about like, you know, who are you to like shrink your light so others won't feel insecure? Yeah. And that like I can deeply resonate with that because that was I, I felt the same way in a lot of circles and I and I still do oftentimes of like because you're so intuitive, you can tap into how other people feel. Yeah. And all right. That. So you can, you can certain, you can feel them in certain scenarios. And so you can kind of almost like buffer your feelings to make them feel more comfortable and, and kind of bring yourself down a little bit more so they don't feel so insecure. I do that all the time still sometimes. Yeah. And I think that's hard. It's a pattern, right? It's yeah. a pattern that we're, we're learning on breaking, but it starts with that of standing up and being like, no, I will be the fullest light that I can be and shine brightly so I can give you permission to do the same. Yep. Because if I don't, then not only am I doing myself a disservice, I'm doing you a disservice big time. 1000%. And I was I was actually just going to say those exact words, so I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and, and it's something that the world needs to hear because in a lot of times you see people that are over the top, that maybe are more in an, in an arrogant energy, and so that turns a lot of people off. But yeah. it's like, you know, we're here to be great. We're here to be great. We're like here we're, be great. we're here to be our ultimate highest selves. We're here to access our full powers, to fully unlock those and like achieve everything we've ever wanted to fucking achieve. To ultimately experience what yes. life has to offer. Experience everything. Because yeah. if we're not, why are we here? Like, yeah. wh- what are we doing? Like, what is, like, if everyone takes a step back, it's like, what are we doing? What's like, what is the yeah. point of life? Like, is it really to the, just go to school, to pay bills, to try and survive and raise kids to like, what is the purpose here? And I don't know if we're asking that question enough. Like we're asking like, what is your purpose? What's your passion? But like, no bigger. What is the what ultimate is the collective purpose? purpose? Mm-hmm. And when you ask that question, it's like, well, what is it? I, I don't know. Yeah, some people don't have an answer for that. I don't know. For me, like it's that word experience. Yeah. I want to experience all of it. Like I want to, yep. I want to feel all of it. Yeah. I want to go jump out of plane, out of a plane. I haven't done that. It scares the shit out of me, <laughs> but like, and that's just an example. But like, why are, like, I remember when I first got a job after I got sober and I'd never really had a job, a stable job before. And I would wake up and I would go to work and I'd go home and I'd wake up and I'd go to work and I'd go home. And I'm like, why? Why am I doing this? Why is this better than being on the streets, partying on drugs? Like, why, what about this is better? And I just could not accept that that was my life now. I just couldn't, right? And so I, I think now... It's, it's stepping into something that you love doing, but also that feeling of connection. I think it's all about connection with others, connection with uh, everything. It all has to be connected, right? We have oh. all these neurons firing in our brains, and if they're not connecting, you're missing something. You're not mm-hmm. fully uh, comprehending what's going on. And so I think it's the same with life. It's like we, we need to connect just like we're doing now. 
whether mm. it's through podcasts, whether it's through online. I prefer it to be in person because I'm like over the internet right now, but yeah. we have it, so we might as well try to use it for something good, right? <laughs> totally. And I think you've hit on a very poignant point, which is connection. It's the ultimate, if you, not to get political, but like, fuck it. Like if you look at the government right now and, and the whole mass media, the whole narrative that's being pushed, the source of all of this narrative is separation. It's mm. the illusion that we are different. Yep. It's the illusion that you are different from me, therefore we must compete. And it's a lie. It's, it's the biggest lie that has ever been told. And once we start to recognize and remember who we are, which we brought this a lot, but like remember the word, the word remember means to come back to the whole. Because when you dismember a body, you're, you're taking off the limbs, you're cutting it off from the whole. So when you remember it, you're connecting it back to one. So as we remember who we are and why we're here, we begin to actually connect more to one another. And the more we begin to connect together like neurons, we then begin to have those sparks, those flashes, those enlightenments, those ideas. And we start to feed off that energy. And the more we feel that, the more vulnerable we become, the more those walls start to lower. And the more those walls start to come down, the more we start to see that, wow, we're actually very similar. We're very, very similar. And then that all of a sudden, once you recognize that, you can't go back because you recognize that we're actually all the same. We're all the same. Mm. We're and all we, the same. Yeah. And we've, we've been feeling this, this separation for so long, for hundreds of years and, you know, subconsciously throughout our, our entire lives. And it's like that feeling is, is starting to reemerge of that we're all wanting to start connect, connecting to, to each other, like let down all of our walls and start seeing each other for how we really are and like. We, I think there's that underlying um, desire that we we all feel like we're all wanting to come back to each other. We're all wanting to like connect really deeply. And I think through our, our traumas and through the hardships and everything that we've gone through in our lives and putting up those walls, once we realize that we want to connect and like we take those down, it gets even deeper. We connect even more deeply because we've been separated for so long. Yes. So, you know, yeah. like as, as, you know, we go through these traumatic experiences and these hardships in life, it's like, it's just uh, preparing us for when we actually do let down those walls completely, individually or as a collective. It just makes it so much more precious. And That's deep. so interesting. And it kind of made me think back to, you know, day one, <laughs> polygamy, how separated we all were and how, how I was told from such a young age that we're different. Mm -hmm. We're different than everybody out there. We're the chosen people. We're the ones going to make it to the highest degree in heaven, all mm. that. And even as a kid, I would think to myself, what about everyone else? Like what yeah. makes me so different mm -hmm. than everybody else? Yeah. And um, it just, it just didn't make sense. Yeah, God's going to choose this tiny little group and then fuck everybody else. Like, yeah. right. And so I think that's why drugs were such a big part of my story because it allowed me to connect with people, even if it was like not the best people, but I was still connecting and I still felt, you know, the same as them. And I struggled with that imposter syndrome for a long time. I would hang out with people that I perceived as successful and I would just cower into this little, you know, this little person that, because I didn't belong there. Right. Mm. And, and now I feel like I can interact and talk with pretty much anyone. And as long as you can go back to that baseline of like, we're human beings, yeah. 
it's not hard to connect with people. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, and, and we've talked a little bit about gifts before. Yeah. And I think that's part of my gift is the ability to connect with people. Like forget about everything else. Like what, what have we felt in our lives? What mm-hmm. is similar about the feelings that we have felt? We may have had completely different circumstances, but I'm a firm believer that we all have very similar feelings throughout our life. Um, and if we can connect with that, I think it's, it's a lot easier to become one, not be so yeah. separated. I yeah. totally agree. And I think all this connection, it all stems from the connection we have with ourselves, right? The external mirrors the internal. And so I think if people recognize that, that as we first begin to connect back to ourselves, because that's really the real root problem, in my opinion, is that we're disconnected from each other and we're so separated because we're so disconnected from ourselves. Myself. And we're so disconnected from ourselves because we're so disconnected from the source, from nature, from which we are. And so the the more we come back to ourselves, which a lot of that begins the process of being radically honest with yourself. Like, do you really love your life? You know, are you happy? Like, is it, is it really fulfilling you? Do you feel alive? And that I want more. Yeah, and I do too. (laughs) Me too. It's this constant striving because life is this evolving expression. So if we're not continually expanding, like continually expanding spiritually, financially, physically, like everything just expanding, then you start to shrink. And when you're shrinking, you're dying. And so if you look at nature and you look at the flow of nature, it's a constant expansion. It's a constant growing and, and progress really is the ultimate like elixir for happiness. And I truly believe that. And also with the idea of like the expansion and you know, when, you're, when you're talking about if you're not expanding, you're dying. It's also realizing that when you're expanding, some things of some parts of you will die, right? As you're expanding, you got to let go of, of some of the things in the past and you got to let some you parts of you die mm-hmm. to create space for that expansion. You know, everything yes. can't, can't be in a small container. You got to let things go to bring the new things in. And I think that's important along with like, uh, what you were saying in the past, like when, um, you were around successful people and you felt like you kind of had to like, you know, hide, hide. I couldn't talk. It's <laughs> like that, that side of you now, when you feel and, and you want to expand it as something else is, is a choice that you made to expand it as something that yeah, you, I want to be the person that's around successful people who feels successful and wants to be that. It's like you can choose to let that part of you who is who's cowering die. You know, it's a choice. You can choose that. You can, and that's it, a, you know, one thing that I always have to remind myself of is like, let the parts of you you don't want in your life die to make room for the parts that you want to expand into. Yeah. And, and that can be such a beautiful process. And you, you explained that really well of like the, that death can be so beautiful because you have so much gratitude. Like you look back at your past experiences and all the darkness and it's like, thank you. Thank you for teaching me my own power. Thank you for showing me what love is not so I can know what love is. And you think that and then you're like, but it no longer serves me. So thank you. And then you step into the new you. And that's such a powerful process. And, and, And people need to have permission to recognize that you can do that. I, I love, I have so many things like going through my brain. <laughs> Look at her big smile. <laughs> this, is so, this is so fun. I love this. This is. Um, that death that we're talking about, I mm-hmm. like to refer to it as like 
the ego death. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that, that ego of telling me either I'm not enough or I'm better than, and both mm. of those things are going to separate me from everybody. Mm. And once I, I let that die, those, those beliefs, all those things I think I know, if I can let go of that, the universe is literally open to me mm. and for my exploration, mm-hmm. right? If I hold on to these little ideas and, and I, I, I'm unable to see anything new, then how am I supposed to grow? Yeah. Um, and it is a beautiful thing. What, like I said, everything in my life, I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful that I was able to feel the hurt and the pain and the loneliness that I felt so that because I don't ever have to feel that, that, that depth of despair (laughs) that I felt in the past. I don't ever have to go back there. Isn't that a reassuring feeling? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That it's like that suffering. If you choose it to be as a one-time experience that you can then take as feedback and as learning, but then you don't have to go back. I don't have Mm -hmm. to go back. And then at the end of your life, you look back and, and, and see the, the whole painting that was created with like the, the paint of, of fear and anger and loneliness, and then now happiness and wanting to expand and show other people and connect and, and, connect. and be successful, you know, at the end of your life, and you're going to look back on that whole painting that was created, like how beautiful that was, how beautiful that the pain that I felt at the beginning was perfect was exactly what I needed, yeah. which is exactly where, like what was supposed to happen. Yeah. I think that's a really. And that all the imperfections are actually what make you, you yeah. and make you unique yeah. through your journey. Were there moments where you really struggled with self-worth? Oh, all the time. There have been more moments than I can even. Because count. this is interesting because you're an esthetician, which mm-hmm. I, I want to go into that as well. Mm-hmm. But it, it's really interesting because you're in an industry that really strives to externally create that beauty. But with a lot of women I talk to and men internally, there's a struggle. There's a big struggle, whether that's with the beauty or self-worth or or security. Did you have a similar experience to that? Yes. And I think that's why I do what I do is I, I, I always wanted to be someone else. I didn't want to be myself because I'm not enough. Like if I could just be in my sister's body, if I could just be my sister, everything would be fine. And if I could just not have acne, Mm. if I could just not have cellulite, if I could just, if I could just, if I could just have a little bit more money, if if I could just have this or the car or whatever it is. And I think that was a big driving force in my life um, with, with this industry that I'm in. It's because I see these women come in and they think they think that fixing the outside is going to somehow make them feel better on the inside mm-hmm. and and what the problem that it creates is uh it's almost like an addiction in in and of itself like mm-hmm. you're never you're never going to be what you think you need to be especially when it comes to the the beauty standards <laughs> like i you know i I always used to look at the magazines or um, on Instagram and I would see all these perfect people. If I just had longer eyelashes, right? Mm -hmm. If I could just buy this weight loss pill that is being marketed to me, right? And that's the thing with marketing too, is they're preying on these insecurities. Totally. Telling you this is going to make you feel better. And I fell for that over and over and over and over again. And now, you know, I, I still have insecurities. Of course, I think we all do. But I think I have a deeper uh, sense of like, hey, I'm pretty great. 
Like it doesn't matter that I have cellulite or that I still get breakouts or that, um, you know, it, none of that stuff matters, but I mean, I do have the tools to kind of take care of myself because I love myself and, and that's kind of what I'm trying to switch in the industry. Yeah. Like, let's do this because we want to take care of ourselves and yeah. we love ourselves. And you, if you've got the money and you want to go get a facial or if you want to go get cool sculpting because you have a bulge of fat you don't like, go for it. There is no shame in that. But it's that constant striving for perfection that I think it can be very, very toxic. Mm-hmm. And and I still I still struggle with it. I'll get in yeah. that mindset of like, oh, maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do that because everyone else is doing it. And then I'm like, wait. I don't even have a double chin. I don't need Kybella. I don't even, mm. Kybella is like a, an injection that you put in your, your double chin and it kills the fat cells. Mm. Everyone at my work got it. I'm like, I need this. And I'm like looking in the mirror and I'm like, but I don't even have a double chin, but I need this, yeah. right? It's just like, it's crazy. Which is so fascinating because it only reinforces the belief that I am not good enough as I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need yeah. to fix my, I'm broken. I'm, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not perfect enough. I am not good enough, therefore I must do these other do things yeah. externally. And that's, oh, that's such a dangerous spot to it's be so in. Hard. But yeah, I feel so much compassion for those people because it's almost like we grow up in it. Society is designed to program us that way, yeah. to literally program us to believe that we need something else externally to make us enough. Yeah. And the problem is it's it's never going to be enough. It's never, 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 never. Never <laughs> enough. It's, there, there's a saying that goes, the, the only thing that matters at the end of the day is how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. And if we can start to change that narrative over time of really, which begins with connecting back to yourself, spending time with yourself and really embracing those insecurities embracing those demons and understanding that the gifts always lie in the darkness and that your insecurities happen to be your greatest strengths and if we we can if we can start to like really see that and like kind of just open ourselves up like take off the armor and like this is who i am this is who i am like take it or leave it this is how i'm showing up i'm having the courage to step into the arena win or lose this is me this is me and so there's a certain beauty in that. It's liberating. Yeah, it's very liberating. I've been on that that journey, especially the last couple of years. Uh, last year, I did a ton of hiking alone. Mm. And was there a reason for that? I just loved being in nature, but I also I loved the feeling that it gave me. But I think the last couple of years, I I've learned how to wear whatever I want to wear. Mm. Like if I want to wear shorts, I'm going to wear shorts. Who cares if somebody sees the cellulite on my legs? Who cares? Because that's like, that's never going to go away. Am I going to live my life hating it? Or am I just going to accept it and live and, and wear the comfortable clothes that make me feel alive yeah. and not yeah. be so restricted in all these different ways because I'm trying to form and fit this model that I think I should be. And, and so I would go, I would go and I would just, I would wear my like little biker shorts and I'd wear like a sports bra and, and I have stretch marks on my tummy from, from kids and, and I felt so free Mm. and, and nobody cared about that. And I felt like I was on fire because I was actually, I was being myself and I didn't have to cover up. And, um, and I still, which is a big part in the polygamous beliefs. Yes, it is. Interesting. Yes, it is. Uh, Yes. I think I, there was not one time I got ready for church where I didn't have to change. Like, yeah. y- mm. 
didn't matter what I was wearing. Go change. <laughs> this is, as you tell your story, it be, it's becoming more and more apparent of the training like that you've been through, like for the platform that you're going to have and the word, the words you'll be able to share with, you know, people across the world, but especially with women, because you've had to unprogram, deprogram yourself from so many layers of things of like, not just not being seen, but through like your body, through your voice being suppressed through all these different layers that you were drowning in. And you've had to literally deprogram all of these to get to where you are now. And now you have this arsenal of tools to be able to deploy and help others, especially women. I definitely feel that strongly with you. Like you are here to help specifically women. And I think, I think they need it. I mean, men need it too, but I mean, I know what I've been through in my life and gosh, like I think if I would have had somebody telling me these things or guiding me. Um, I want to share a, an experience I had with a client of mine. Yeah. Um, this woman, she, she can't have kids. She's never been able to. And uh, I kind of shared a little bit about my past with her. And she told me that something that she's always wanted to do is adopt someone in their teens that has left an, a, a, a bad situation, whether it be polygamy or something else, and just take them under her wing and and be their be their mom. And I I started crying, like tears just started, like I just felt this emotion well up inside of me, like oh my gosh, like how different would my experience have been if somebody was there for me? to guide me, to love me. I think most importantly, I just, you know, I, I just wanted to be loved and, and, and we hugged and she teared up and it was just like this, I don't know, this, this almost like deep compassion for my past self, for all of my past selves and what I went through to become who I am today. It's almost like looking at myself from third person. It takes away any blame of like what happened and and just being like, oh my gosh. Like this was a girl with her inner child just screaming to be loved. And no one did that for her. But how beautiful could it be if I could do that for somebody else? Or help somebody step into their role as a, as a person or as, you know, being, being able to expand so that they can be that for somebody else. And it's just, it's just a beautiful thing, but I think it's so important to be able to have that compassion for all the versions of myself that I didn't like, because those are real, that's real. And it deserves to be recognized and, and, and I'm having a loss of words, but it deserves that, you it know, mm -hmm. and I get to give that to myself, you know, and especially to have compassion for your current self. I think sometimes that's actually the hardest one. I would agree on that, you know, because we look back and it's like we're, we're out of that version. So a lot of times, you know, it's easier to have compassion for those selves. But the current one sometimes is the hardest for people. Because they're like, well, this is different. Only if this would change, <laughs> then I could be a little bit more compassionate. And it's a beautiful story you share because 
I also think it's a, a way that we can access and know one of our, our missions or purpose here on life is to ask ourselves the question, who do I wish I had in my darkest moment? Who do I yes. wish was there for me? And what do I wish I had? And now make it your goal to become that person. Yeah. Because I see that in my life of, of those dark moments I had where there was just no one. No one. Just no one. Like, just silent. And just being like, how is this possible? How am I, like, how am I just so alone in such a depth of darkness that, like, you can't even explain it. It's like, it's beyond, like, even spiritual pain. It's just like this, this evasive loneliness and nothingness mm -hmm. that just, like, doesn't end. And so when you're able to then transcend that and heal through that and transmute that pain into power, it, it, become, it then becomes almost obsessive to be like, for anyone who even crosses those realms of darkness, let me be the person that I wish I would have had. And I think that's a powerful role that you play as an esthetician. I don't think it's coincidence that as your job, your career, that like you said, you're basically a therapist and you get to hold space for these women who probably subconsciously and unintentionally are trying to heal their inner pain through external modalities. And you get to be that bridge to their inner soul. And, and by holding space for them, you get to help them be vulnerable and you get to help them lower their walls. And once that wall was lowered, you can then enter into a space that they haven't entered into in years. And as that's opened up, that fertile ground, you can then help them to plant seeds and be like, wow, I can change. And I can be compassionate for the self. I can be compassionate for my imperfections because it's me. It's who I am. <sighs> and that's powerful. I, need, I needed this. Yeah. I did. It reminds me, it, it kind of gets me back to like what, what I'm supposed to be focusing on. Because if I'm focusing on all the wrong things, that space is not available for yeah. them. Mm -hmm. And and that makes me sad. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I do. And so I think it's... <clears throat> and this is another testament. Like, everything happens for a reason. Totally. Um, I've been feeling this disconnection lately. And, you know, I, and I talked to you a little bit before. Like, I'm just so self-centered right now all the time. And, and then I get down on myself and, and I'm talking down to myself and that's even more self-centered. That's yeah. not helping anybody. And just to kind of like take a step back and, and realize like what really matters. I think, I, yeah, I definitely needed this conversation. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I think that is it. Sometimes we do forget, you know, because there's so much noise in the world, but as human beings, we are, we are wired to serve. Just as the sun is heat, water is wet, humans are service. We are wired to serve. It's in our very DNA. But to serve, you have to be fit for service. Mm -hmm. And so it first begins with connecting back to ourselves, grounding, understanding who we are and what we offer in the world. And then from that place, from that place of uncorruptible power, you're able to just overflow to others because your cup is so full. And so others then just start to be magnetized towards you because you don't chase, you attract. 
and they just come and come and you're able from your place of power and sovereignty just flow and just be you and through that help others to then heal themselves and give them permission to rise up and it's the best feeling yeah it's the best feeling there's there <laughs> we're gonna have to do a second episode 100 percent definitely open there's to so it. we haven't even scratched the surface <laughs> of your story there's so many other questions but i think with the energy of this right now this is a good place to kind of wrap up mm-hmm. um and, and kind of this message for everybody so my last question for you is for people listening to this or for your audience that wants to hear like what's what's the message you have for people right now Wow. Um, To kind of sum it up. Connection seemed to be the key word. I touched a little bit on me running away. I didn't know how to be connected. And letting, letting go of everything you think you know so that the world can be opened up to you and for you so that you can serve as that person for somebody else and um yeah just let go Mm. let go and take charge of your life Mm. and i i'm saying that to you as much as i'm reminding myself that yeah like let's fucking go let's fucking (laughs) let's go oh my god i love it i love that Thank you, April. You're so welcome. Thank you, guys. This has been so awesome. Like, so, so, so good for my soul. Like, yeah. I needed this more it's cathartic, than you huh? even know. Isn't it incredible how much just holding space for each other, like how much that does for the soul? Yeah. And that realistically, that's all we need in the world. We need people to just hold space for one another. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you again. Thank you. Okay, well, it's been, it's been real. We're definitely yeah, going to have a been. second. We're going to have a round two. Yeah, 100%. People are going to be like, <laughs> yeah. give us a round two. So <laughs> for everyone that tuned in, thank you for listening. Now you have a glimpse of why we call this the sacred odyssey because it indeed is an odyssey. It's a journey full of ups and downs, full of so much joy and suffering, and that's what makes it so sacred is that it becomes such a special experience. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and until next time, be yourself. Let go. And take charge. Peace. Peace.